Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. And we're here with Dr. Jory Bachnick from Toronto area. And he's probably dealing with some of the cold weather you're having in Dallas and so many other places. How cold is it there, Dr. Jory? Today is actually not too bad. It was only about minus 13 this morning. And if you added the wind chill, about minus 20. But there was sunny, so it wasn't too bad. But uh, if you're a thin-coated dog out for a walk this morning, you would definitely feel it. Well, okay. So I would like to talk about that. I I live in a really nice place, and I feel a little guilty when you said it was a nice day, only minus whatever, because here it's plus two. And uh, yesterday was sunny and it almost feels like spring. But um, but for all those people who are normally in places where it's okay to have animals outside or they don't even think about the cold ever, like Texas, what do you tell them for keeping their pets safe right now? One of the basic simple things is stand outside in shorts and a t-shirt. And a lot of the dogs who live in those places where they're not used to being out are dressed like that with their coats being thin. And if you can't be out there for more than two minutes, then neither can your dog. Okay. And uh, the other thing to think about is what's on your feet because they're not used to being in salt or ice and stuff. And so you see all the classic lesions that happen to their pads when they can get frostbite on them. The salt really chews up their pads pretty badly, pretty quickly. So you have the image of, you know, the little dogs going there with one foot up in the air, then the other foot up in the air, or you're taking a a larger dog, like in some of those areas, they'll keep dogs like Rhodesian Ridgebacks, great dogs, thin but thin coated, and they just lay down and say, I'm not going anymore. Oh, so it can be very dangerous for animals out in the cold. Well, it, it can be problematic and cause a lot of problems. The other thing is cold air exacerbates certain conditions. So if your dog has asthma, um, the cold air can cause spasming of their airway. So all of a sudden they're coughing a lot more. Or if you've had a recently a new puppy or kitten who's had an upper airway infection, cold air causes the airways to spasm. So you'll get more coughing and sneezing and running. And so it's just something to think about because the air also in your house, even though it may not be cold, the air in the house gets much drier. And so you dry out the dogs. And so if they're dealing with an upper respiratory issue, then those issues become exacerbated because they can't cough up all the crud. Well, some of these places have no power. The houses are freezing. Yeah. And I guess they have horses and all kinds of other animals that they have to worry about. What can people do for these animals that they can't bring in the house? And even if they could bring in the house, the house isn't warm. Well, I mean, you've got to sort of think about the basics. Like some of these, the cattle do pretty good, but some of the horses, if they're never used to being in the cold, they're going to need blankets. You got to think about heat sources, but you got to be careful because they're around all this flammable stuff. But something even as simple as the water lines freezing. So you got to make sure that they have access to water. A lot of these places have things like uh, ponds and stuff where they're relying on their water and it's all frozen over. And so having warmed water will be helpful because if they drink too much cold water, they can really drop their core temperatures quickly. So they need basic water. They'll need more food to keep warm. And you can, I mean, a lot of my equine people will be doing things like feeding them warmed mashes. But even if you think in terms of other sheep and stuff, a lot of these sheep may have been sheared already this time of year. And so they're running into all kinds of trouble. Even wildlife in the Gulf around Texas, they're seeing turtles washing up because they're so cold. They're almost going into torpor and drowning because they're just not used to that kind of temperature. 
Well, you know what? I was going to tease at the commercial break with that, but Elon Musk, of all people, has come to the rescue of the turtles in Texas. And he sent a generator and he sent all this equipment and they are doing this massive turtle rescue, which is so commendable. And then there's also this guy, Brady Oliveira, who's a CFL Grey Cup winner. And he's out there in like the hinterland, hours outside of Winnipeg, Manitoba, rescuing dogs. So he's working with animal advocacy advocacy groups and bringing them in. And so just kudos to those two men. Thank you so much for helping the animal world. I know you've got busy schedules, other things to do, but thank you because those animals really need help from the cold. Okay, so even though we were just talking about livestock, it's true for your dogs too. You know, if, if you've got a dog that's outside that always has a big bucket, that bucket is probably frozen right now. That shelter that you had, maybe it's called an igloo and it's cute and it's plastic. That's not insulated. You know, you need to think about this. If all of a sudden you've got way colder weather than before, even simple things like beddings, blankets, uh, plastic bucket that you refill often instead of a metal bucket will help. You got to think about this. If you've all of a sudden got cold, animals can't drink snow. I know that's a real misconception. People think, oh, they just go out and they'll drink the snow. No, they won't. They need water. Absolutely true. And the other thing we're seeing is people are trying to do the right thing by putting heaters in some of these enclosures for their pets, but you've got to be careful of carbon monoxide. They're not designed to be in an enclosed space or they're, it's the heater they've had from you know when they were back in university back in the day and it's the electrical part isn't that good. And so we're seeing fires and carbon monoxide toxicities. And so we just got to be mindful and careful. And if you are, they'll be fine. But it's the problem is people react without thinking and or there are things that basic necessities that they don't think of that they haven't had to think of, which if you follow those things, you'll do fine. Don't take your little Vishla out for a half an hour run at minus five on a winter day when it's never been there without boots on its feet, a jacket and uh, a place to warm up after you're done. And if you do those things and if you're mindful, then you'll be fine. It's almost the reverse of what these people are used to thinking about in the heat of July, right? They would never take their dog out at noon during a heat wave for a hard run barefoot on boiling hot tar, right? They wouldn't do that because the dog would have bloody feet and maybe have a stroke and and dehydrate. So the snow looks like fun, but you got to really limit and watch. And it can be fun for dogs. I mean, there's nothing more fun, I think, than dogs playing in snow, but you have to make sure they're safe. Okay, so we're gonna go to break, Dr. Jory. And when we come back, I'm gonna ask you, oh, I've got so many questions. I've got so many questions from people. People are asking about first aid kits and Benadryl. So we're gonna cover that next. Stay tuned everybody on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Pets are part of the family. Make sure you can always afford the quality healthcare they need with Easy Pet Check a nationwide pet insurance alternative. With Easy Pet Check, you'll save up to 75% on all your pet's health care at any licensed veterinarian in the U.S. Easy Pet Check accepts all dogs and cats regardless of pre-existing conditions. Visit easypetcheck.com. That's the letters easypetcheck.com. Taking care of your pet can be easy with Easy Pet Check. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
Hello, we're back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Got a question from people who want to know about Benadryl and what the right dose is, and does it have to be Benadryl, and what else can they keep? These people happen to be beekeepers, and they're just a little concerned that their pets may get stung. Yeah, they're new at beekeeping. They've had their pets for years. Beekeeping is a new hobby of theirs, and they're thinking maybe their first aid kit needs an update. So while we're talking about this, maybe we should cover that. What should people have in their pet first aid kit? And if you do think you've got bees around, cats and dogs, should you have Benadryl or Chlorotriplon, or is there something better? Benadryl is a really good, safe product, and it can be gotten anywhere. It comes in a generic form. I tend to gravitate towards the name brands, but the thing you have to be careful of is you make sure that it's just Benadryl or diphenhydramine. You don't want it to be Benadryl Plus or Benadryl Extra because there's other compounds that they put in some of these medications that we take them to help dry up our mucous membranes or etc. And that can be quite toxic to them. So you want to make sure that it's just plain. And then for your average dog and cat, you can give a half to one milligram per pound or one to two milligrams per kilogram. Sometimes it'll be a little sedating, but when in doubt, it's always safer to give it than not give it. Because the problem with antihistamines like this is that if you give it, but you give it too late, it's not enough. And so you end up chasing the wave as opposed to catching, uh, blocking the wave of all this inflammation that happens. So if you suspect that your dog was stung, just give it, just give it right away and give it in a treat. And then if things are, if you start to notice swelling or anything that's uh, the dog's acting unusual, the spot of the sting may be painful. But if you think there's a bit of wheezing, then it's an emergency. You got to get to your vet ASAP. Benadryl may be what saves your dog's life because it could delay the reaction, but it's not strong enough. Now, for some of my patients who have known allergies, I'll actually give them the canine feline equivalent of an EpiPen, where every season we'll give them a couple doses of steroid and or epinephrine to have on hand. We'll teach them to use it. So if they have an allergic incident, they can give it and then get them into us. Wow. Okay. Oh, I would be so worried if I had a kid or a dog with that kind of allergy. Two years ago on March 8th, all of a sudden, my entire backyard was just covered in honeybees. And at first I didn't notice. So I got stung just leaning on a banister and my blue healer who can't resist got stung a whole bunch. So I, I gave him Benadryl before we figured it out. And we he stopped chasing them and I, they were everywhere. It's because someone a few doors down from me, a few farms away, had uh, brought in new hives and the hives were disturbed. So they went looking for a garden, I guess, and found mine. And it was just incredible. It was incredible. But also I got stung a couple of times. He got stung a couple of times. His little blue healer nose started to look more bull terrier. And I right away, right away gave him the Benadryl and I kept him with me because if it was going to keep swelling, we were on the way to the yep. vet. But it didn't keep swelling. He was fine. I was fine. In fact, I think I was worse than he was. But um, I have noticed that quite a few of my cats, one in particular, will take the heads off wasps and not get stung. And she'll kill one after another after another like it's her favorite treat. So some animals are kind of prone to this. They and are. they don't learn. And some, some will get stung over and over and just get more determined. So it is something to consider <laughs> keeping Benadryl. If you've got one of those, you know you have one of those if you've got one. I think uh, there's a place for Benadryl in everybody's uh, emergency kit. Okay, so what else should they have in their emergency kit? The other things that I like are bandages like that you can easily apply, lots of gauze. 
I also like things like uh, some sterile water for rinsing. You can have your Benadryl. I sometimes also like people to have something called elastoplast or it's a bandage material that's a little bit flexible and it's self-adhering. So you can wrap it up and put it on there and it sticks to itself. You know what? I find when I buy that stuff at farm supply store, it's about $2 for a big, thick roll of it. Sure. And, and when I buy it anywhere else, it's about $8 for a teeny tiny roll of it. So I buy it at the farm supply. The co-op is a great place to get yeah, stuff. Nothing yeah, wrong with the that. co-op. Exactly. And, you know, horse size volume is good. If you've got a dog that you want to keep the bandage clean, right? Like once you're bandaging and rebandaging, you can't have dirty bandages. So you got to be willing to change it often and not have it be so costly that you don't. Something else that I like to keep in there are tweezers. You can ask your vet for a couple different gauge sizes of needles. They're really good for digging out things like thorns or porcupine quills if you've got one or two. But another thing I really like in there is polysporin, regular everyday polysporin. And if this is for your dogs, not for your cats, it's um, very safe, really easy to apply, doesn't sting. And it's something that is generally very effective, even if it's only as a barrier until you get your pet seen. There'll be other veterinarians may give you opinions, different opinions on this, but apart from a bit of sterile water, I also really like hydrogen peroxide. I know it's toxic to normal tissue, but it really cleans the gunk out of wounds well. So that's something else that I'll, I'll keep often in my uh, emergency kit. It also gets rid of blood stains. So if you've got a big mess and you can't tell what's what, you can kind of pour that on there and it just see where the blood's coming from, yep. see what's going on. I also really like something called natural tears. It's you can get a relative like 250 mil bottle or something. Again, this is across over-the-counter shoppers or Rexall or any grocery store often have them. And it's really good for rinsing their eyes out. If they've got something red or they're running through the bush and they're rubbing at their eyes, a good eye rinse is something that will help, can often prevent a problem before it gets started. If you can flush out the little grass on or something that's in there, then the problems resolve before it gets bad. Okay. And a muzzle. Definitely have a muzzle. Even if your dog is yep. so, so sweet, when he's in a lot of pain and terrified, he may not let you do what you need 100%. to percent. And someone else may have to carry him if he's really heavy. They don't need to get bit. So have a muzzle. And then there's no struggle. What about a splint? Can they use a magazine as a splint or is there something better now? You know what? Pretty much anything can be used as a splint. I like rulers because they're, you know, the right size and you can often break them pretty easily. But if, if nothing else, just wrapping that bandage up with a piece of cardboard will do the job um, with that vet wrap. But um, the reality is it depends also where you're going. Kit you may keep at home may not be the kit you bring with you on a hike, may not be the kit you bring with you when you go camping. And right. so you can customize it for basically where you're going to go. I think a razor is a good idea too, or scissors, because if you've got a real furry yep. dog and you can't tell what's going on, you may need to give them a little mini haircut to see where the wound is or the injury. What about an ice pack? Is that something? If you can, if you can have cold packs that you can crack to make them cold, that's something. But otherwise, it, you may not have um, a place to get it frozen to use it. I'm also cautioning people with scissors because it's not uncommon to see, especially during COVID when people haven't been able to take their pets to the groomers, mm -hmm. that um, the, the animals come in with scissor wounds because they oh. pull up on the skin, tent it by mistake. And before they know it, they've sliced a five centimeter hole. Oh, that's terrible. But a good clipper is definitely, they're safe and you're not going to do any harm like you could with scissors. What I always tell people though is don't skimp out on your clippers. There's nothing mm -hmm. worse than having a cheap pair of clippers that don't work. Better to spend the money on something good so that when they work, when you want them to work, they actually really do work. 
Well, for me, yeah, because I have poodles and doodles. If I have clippers that aren't sharp, they pull. And that will just make your dog not like being groomed, which nobody wants that. So, okay, we're going to go to break and come back again. Stay tuned to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, we're back. On Animal Party Pet Life Radio. And I probably should have given that a better howl because lately in Vancouver, I want to warn everybody who's listening in the local area, especially Coquitlam and Poco, watch out for cougars. I know you hear this all the time and you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, really, really right now. They've killed one. There's three others on the loose. There's a pug that was killed by the cougars. There's a child, 12-year-old child and parent who were followed by threesome, a mother and two. And uh, there's another dog who was attacked. Little dog survived. He's been on the news lately. But the cougar attacks in Poco and Coquitlam are outrageously brazen. They're in backyards. They're down subdivisions. They're in developed areas. So right now, conservation is on it. If you see one, call them. They want you to call them. And I just want to alert everybody, don't have your dog off leash in your backyard at all. A cougar can leap over any fence you've got. So just don't do it. And kids, keep them close. Walk with them. Hold their hand. This is not the time for uh, running around in the forest with your off-leash dogs. Not right now. Okay, so Dr. Jory, let's get back to that discussion of grooming. That was a little, I was a little surprised by what you just said. So people aren't sending their dogs because of COVID. Yeah, it's not that they're not sending them. It's the groomers have been closed. They haven't been allowed to groom until this week. So it's been about a month and a half of no grooming. And so when you've got a Shih Tzu that you were planning on taking in and then it closed and you have an extra month, I don't have to tell you what that dog now looks like. They're all like yes, tiny little sheep. Yeah, it smells like spit and you got junk and vaguely the rear end. Yes, it needs a bath for sure. <laughs> yep. But then uh, what we've been finding is they give their dog a bath, well-intentioned, don't yep. dry it properly, and then it's one solid mat. Oh, yes. So you have to brush first and then bathe. And then, and nobody, these people are used to having it done for them. Exactly. Good thing the groomers are open again. But what's your advice on this? I mean, if someone can't get in right away and their dog is miserable, I mean, I do like to scissor clip my doodles around the eyes and the rear end very carefully, not, not near, not nowhere near the skin, but to make it so that the hair isn't hanging in their eyes, isn't hanging in the, in the flow of what's coming out of their bodies. Everywhere. <laughs> yes, yes. I like to trim around, you know, the parts that are most dirty, basically. 
I've been having them pick up really uh, clippers that they can find from Wall, or which is generally one of my go-to brands for clippers. Full disclosure, we're not affiliated, but I can't, I can honestly tell you that of all the clippers we keep using over and over again, that's my probably most reliable. And I tell people, you want to get something that is solid. You don't want to skimp on your clippers because then, as you mentioned earlier, they pull, they're painful, and they really do a poor job. And they can be shown quite easily. There's lots of videos now online, just basic stuff about how to trim it in the most affected areas until such time as they can get in. But uh, And now that the grooming is open, it's like, I'm sure you can imagine, it's a backlog of a month and a half to try to get into the groomer. So what I've been telling people is forego the look of the, of the haircut, take off what needs to come off, and then get your dog into the groomer when you can. Yes. Okay. Um, and there is a lot online, but make sure your source is good. Oh, yeah. And- and, you know, don't be afraid to, to go easy, right? You don't have to do a, a short brush cut right away. Trim a little, trim a little more, trim a little more, get the feel of it. Make sure you use your hands. Make sure you feel where the skin is so you're not even close to getting it, yeah. right? Use your fingers so that your fingers are between the skin of your pet and the bit you're cutting. And that should help a long way. Okay, so... I guess we've come to the end of this show, Dr. Jory. I know I'm going to have you back right away and we've got other things to talk about, but is there anything you'd like to leave people with today? Just be mindful of your pets with the, with the weather outside. I mean, just, just keep in mind that while you're going out there all bundled up, they generally aren't. And so if you think you need to be using hand warmers, then maybe time not to take your pet for quite as long and consider boots and jackets when it's necessary. It's a lot of the same stuff that when it's hot, when it's hot and you need extra water and you need extra shade and you, you can't run barefoot on the, on the black tar pavement. Yeah. Okay. Same thing. When it's cold and you can't go outside without a coat and you can't stay outside for long periods. You can't go barefoot on the pavement because it's too cold. Neither can Fluffy. So <laughs> think about it and make sure they're really, really comfortable. Now, can just before we go, how would they know if their dog or cat is too cold it needs to come see the vet. Like if they if they blew it, and they get there and the dog or cat is just, uh-oh, we got to go. It's pretty much the same as you would look in yourself. All of a sudden, they're going to be not very responsive. They're, they'll start off with just shivering. Dogs are shivering. Cats are shivering because they can't keep warm and they're trying to keep themselves warm. And then after a little while, if they can't and their temperature keeps dropping, the shivering will stop. They'll become more and more unresponsive. They'll become pale on their nose or on their gums. You may not be able to feel a pulse in their feet. If you've gone that far, you've gone way too long. If your pets are outside and they're shivering you and giving you the look of, really? Really? We're still out here? Really? It's time to go in. What if they're just like um, not moving? Huddled in a corner, that kind of thing. Then it's time to start warming them. Bring them in and warm them up. Bring them in and warm them up slowly but steadily. Warm blankets. You can give them a bit of warm water. You can massage them. But don't immerse them in water. Like some people want to give them a shower or bath. No. Just use warm. You can put your towels in the dryer and wrap them up with that and give them something warm to eat or warm to drink. And you can even check their temperatures. You can use a rectal thermometer because any ear thermometer won't register at this point. Getting them back up to 38 or 39 and a half degrees. They'll get there. Their bodies will want to do that. But sometimes they'll just need a bit of help 
up like this. What about those guns? You know, the, the guns everybody points at you when you visit anywhere now to check your temperature. Does that work on a dog's forehead? You know, I'm not really sure. I've never used it, but I can imagine that it wouldn't work very well considering you've got fur in the way and they've got all this vasoconstriction in their skin trying to save all their warm, warm blood to their core. So I would imagine they may not work very well. I wonder. I'm going to try. I'm going to point it in their ear and see what I get result wise. Okay, let me know. And compare. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us today, Dr. Jory. Do you want to tell people about your clinic and where they can see the good work you're doing? We're in Aurora, just north of Toronto. It's Abbotsford Animal Hospital. You're more than welcome to come give us a shout. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Jory. Until next time, from me and Pet Life Radio and Dr. Jory, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.